Hello, beautiful people. Welcome to the Woo What Where podcast. I'm your host, Cass McCabe, manifestation and movement coach. I'm so happy you made it here. This is a place for unconventional conversation, a place to question everything and be open to anything. This podcast is a space for discussion surrounding personal development, health and well-being, spirituality, and ultimately the pursuit of joy. I encourage you to stay open-minded and discerning while we explore all things woo. Let's go. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode. Today, we are joined by the amazing Natasha. Natasha is a psychic Reiki master, yoga instructor, talented musician, and a ceremonialist at the Goddess Healing Grove. We have such a juicy conversation, talk about all things spirituality, energy, Reiki, healing, movement, and so much more. You are in for such a treat. This one's a little bit of a long one, so I'm going to get right into it. Thanks for being here, and I hope you enjoy this conversation. Okay, well, I'm just going to get started and just welcome you on to the Woo What Wear podcast. (laughs) It looks like you have such a beautiful little space set up. Yeah, this is actually, this is the Goddess Healing Grove. So this is a space that I tend to teach from, and actually, this is my altar space. Oh, beautiful. We've got a Sui Sensei there with some rose petals and special crystals and sage to honor him for our term. And then we have the apothecary. So I've been building deep relationship with medicines and I've got lots of different medicines jarred. And since kind of stepping into my ceremonious role, I find that a lot of people are gifting me medicines as well, which is a deep honor and is beautiful that I get to interact like very authentically with my community and the practice of exchange the ways that like my peoples would have both on my Celt side and as well as in my Mi'kmaq side like to exchange service for medicines yeah like beeswax candles and you know things that I um, need and use in my ceremonies and practices so it's like perfect and that's Um, just happening kind of naturally yeah and one of my students I was able to offer on an exchange and you know, it's important that there is an exchange, but it doesn't have to be money. And like with such a big cohort, it's already so financially abundant. It just felt really right to open that up and be like, you know, I know you're not working and I really feel that this is important for you on your path. So if offering medicines or candles or something in exchange feels better, like let's do that. And Oh, that's so cool. I love that. Um, in my last episode, we got talking about like this idea of energetic exchange and mm. in our world, I feel like we've, everything has come down to like monetary exchange, but mm. I love that you like brought up that it doesn't have to be money. It can be like any kind of energy it just has to be some kind of like exchange that feels right. And sometimes that's it. Something else feels even better than money. Probably. It felt so beautiful. Like they ended up gifting me so many medicines um, and like I received a lot more than my rate 
uh, my ask for the course. Like they even got me a mug that is made by a Mi'kmaq artist. Wow. It's of one of my spirit animals of the gray wolf. What? And, like they didn't know this about me. So no. Yeah. So it's what? like, it's so cool of me following my heart and this path of generosity you'll probably hear me talk a lot about that over these past couple of years I've been doing the anti-racism doing the decapitalization doing the decolonization work Mm -hmm. for me I call it indigenizing myself because there's just something different about those words of like decolonizing and indigenizing Mm -hmm. and I feel like I'm doing a lot of indigenizing work and um and that's like that's accurate to each different lineage that I might work with but doing this work, it feels so good and is also so deeply tied to like the Gawkeye, the five Reiki precepts and yeah. how it's been said, like how we get to Anshin Ritsumi, how we get to enlightenment is by finding true happiness. And when I experienced that like joy of like spirit moving through this person and gifting me something that like I needed to remember yeah, it just really reminded me, oh, I'm on the right track. Like this is the beauty that comes through this like generosity lifestyle. And I think in our culture, it it is like being like, okay, I'm going to live my life this way. Like it's a lifestyle shift, I think for us. That's, that's really beautiful. That's so cool. Okay. I feel like we need to like back up and introduce you because (laughs) we could probably just talk and totally forget to do that. Okay. So I was kind of thinking about like when I first met you Mm -hmm. um, and it would goes back for me to hot yoga at Moksha Yoga in Waterloo. And um, I would always be like excited when I saw that you were teaching classes and I would try to always come to your classes because you're totally my favorite teacher. And then I was thinking about it and I don't even know if you'd remember this. So I guess it would have been 2019, probably the summer, and you were doing energetic treatments through Queen Street Yoga. And I had won a raffle at Moksha Yoga to get a treatment from you at Queen Street. And this just happened to be right in the same week, right before I had applied to the Queen Street Yoga teacher training program. And I got the very last spot in that program and I applied like way after the deadline. And when I went to see you for that energetic treatment, that was the first time I'd ever gone to the Queen Street Yoga Studio. Wow. Yeah. So it was crazy. After that, I did the YTT program through Queen Street, now branches. And I've just always kind of like looked up to you as like a spiritual leader in the community. And I feel like I've, as I've grown, like I've watched you grow and yeah. So I'm just really honored and I'm really excited to have you here and just to like fangirl and like get to pick your brain. And actually I kind of want to start with two questions if that's okay. I love this game. (laughs) I love this game. So I've kind of been playing around with like what I want to ask my guests and one that I really like so far is, can you tell us something that made you smile recently? Hmm. Something that made me smile recently. Uh, I've been preparing for a show that I have with my sister. We just started a duo and there's this, uh, this cool thing that's been developing between us where we've been solo artists and we've been, you know, fangirling each other in our yeah. 
music and writing and developing our singer songwriter and we just started playing together so playing on each other's music and then also writing music together and she's nine years younger than me um I moved out when she was five so we were raised as like single kids and okay kind of I kind of took on more of like a mother role for her so you know being that nine-year gap it wasn't until like her 20s where I really felt like a synergy between us and Mm -hmm. like you know we're able to learn more about each other because we're adults yeah and <laughs> you know, we're learning about each other as we're writing music together. And there's this one song that her and I play, and I sing harmonies and I do percussion on her music. And there's this moment where, like, when we hit it together, she gets this like smirk and starts on her guitar. And it's so like insatiable for me. Like, it brings such yeah. a. Because it's that like, oh, we're in pocket with each other, musicianal musician moment. And then there's also just this like bond that's growing deeper between us as sisters. Um, and that just like, that means so much to me. Um, that's so special. Yeah. So that's, that's something that really made me smile yesterday. Oh, that's adorable. Yeah. I, I feel you. I've been, my sister actually is seven years younger than me. And she's living with me. She's going through some stuff right now. And so she's living with me right now. And it's funny that you, you mentioned like just how that age gap is really big when you're younger. And then like, as you get older, it it kind of goes away and your relationship changes. Cause I definitely felt that like kind of more like that motherly when she was so much younger than me, but now I'm like, Oh, you're like an actual human. <laughs> like <laughs> you exist outside of just being my baby sister. <laughs> and like, like my sister's living with me too, which is oh really a cool thing. Yeah. She just moved in this year and it's been so gorgeous to like be able to live together now. And yeah. uh, I'm always so like humbled by just the wisdom that she comes up with and mm-hmm. Just seeing the way that she's navigating her life is pretty beautiful too. It's like kind of like raising kids, like, yeah, you know, you do your best in building relationship with them and then you just got to kind of trust and it's cool to see how they interact. And there are these moments of like, oh my gosh, yeah, you're such a good kid. You're such a good human. Honestly, it it sounds like we're going through a similar kind of like vibe with our sisters right now. Yeah, Um, Me too. And then my second question, because I this is a, a manifestation podcast as well. What does manifestation mean to you? Mm, such such a good question. Manifestation means a couple things to me. It's like, you know, I'm a big believer in just for today. And Ray Kiwi say like Kyodakiwa, just for today, we're gonna do what we can. We're gonna focus our attention here because this is the only real moment in our aliveness that where we have access to the past, to the present, and to the future. I feel like manifestation for me is bringing my focus in, uh, pulling the nets in a little bit tighter, and really gaining clarity on what it is that I want to become what it is that I want to embody or that I want to call forwards actively in my life. And then it's like, I've got to kind of start to feel that resonance in my own body, or I've got to get resonance curious about like, what does that feel like? What would that look like uh, for me? How does that, how would that show up in my life? And then how can I like visualize that or feel into that or start to 
like embody that in different smaller ways now, depending on what our like dominant psychic senses are, I'd say. And when we can do that, even if it's like starting with like a verbal affirmation practice and like we do it, we say it over and over again to like activate it in our body to build a muscle memory in our neural pathways that fires actually. <laughs> like rewiring the subconscious kind of thing. Yeah. That's probably what manifestation is. Like if we don't have it already, you know, we might've interacted with it, but not in the way of being it. We are creating a new neural pathway for sure. I love that you spoke to like the embodiment piece. Cause I think as I've like learned about like the practice of intentional manifestation, and then also just kind of how you're talking about like really bringing it to the present moment. Mm-hmm. The embodiment piece is sometimes like tricky because I think sometimes we think, oh, I really want to intentionally manifest this different reality. And so sometimes it can kind of make you focus on like how you don't have that reality right now. Mm-hmm. But instead of that, focusing on how you would embody that new reality or or whatever it is, um, how you would show up if you already had those things, the energy that you would be in. If say you were trying to manifest a more abundant reality, like mm-hmm. how can you feel abundant and overflow in the reality that you have right now? I really appreciate the attention to the embodiment piece. That's, I think it's like, you know, something's just like come through the Reiki shuttle. It's like, ding, you've got mail. So there's one thing I want to yeah. say, but one thing that I really want to like build up on is that embodiment because there's a lot of focus that we're starting to make, you know, somatic work is coming out of the fringes and psychology and um, the scientific practitioner model is starting to get on board with the soma body. And, and, you know, we already know that we have a biomagnetic field, right? So like having a somatic body is not very far away from that idea because our whole nervous system communicates via, via vibrations, resonances, and energy. Yeah. And that's how the brain picks up its communication. So, you know, one of the things that I learned working in the mental health and addiction field and really working with those neural pathways is that when we get a trauma reaction response and we're we're in or back in the past, our body doesn't know that we're not living it again. Mm. So every time that's triggered, our body is literally physiologically going through ah, that experience of whatever it's connected to in its origin. It's like, of course... There needs to be something that attends to this somatic body. And I love the idea of the somatic body because it's kind of like the bridge between the energy body and the physical body. What does somatic body mean? The soma body, the somatic body is this ideation for us to conceptualize this bridge. Um, Thinking of our traumatic experiences, thinking about energy, even just like activated energy that is not quite in our physical body. It's kind of like out here. Is it kind of like your vibration? Like the vibration that you emit? Is that part of it? Yeah, that would be like a part of your soma body. Okay. The soma body is not separate from the body, although it is its own function, function of our aliveness. There is always a bridge connection between those, just like there is between body, mind, and spirit because they're not actually separate. Right, yeah. thing that functions within the organism. (laughs) And, and so that's my lead way into the Reiki, you've got male uh, thought, which was, 
one thing that I'm teaching a lot about right now in my current le- level one lineage, I'm teaching the original Japanese traditional Asui Reiki Royo lineage. Doi Sensei, one of the kind of grand masters, if you will, in this lineage, he recently rewrote the manuals because there were specific things that he wanted to dispel. He's kind of feeling like there's a lot of misinformation about Reiki. There's a lot of, there's like, people are teaching level one and two in two days. And it's like, there's no way all of the information that is actually required to pass down accurately each lineage to each generation. Like we need to set a sort of standard, if you will, of like what's kind of required for a master teacher to actually actively in person teach to their student. And one of the big differences that Gondai Reikiho wants to make in their understanding of their lineage is that in the Western world, we're kind of getting caught up in the Reiki practice mm-hmm. of actually practicing on other people. And we're getting caught up in this idea that Reiki is an energy medicine and it heals the body because the actual invitation for Reiki when Asui became uh, enlightened and what Reiki kind of communicated to him when he was creating this system that's alive six, 100 years after his death is that the goal is to become healthy in our authentic expression. The goal is to find Anshin Ritsumi, find that enlightenment, which is become truly happy, become happy to a state where like, we are not triggered. Mm -hmm. We just witness and we are rooted in compassion and love. And we literally just wield our entire life in that energy and resonance. That's that high heart frequency that Reiki is. Yeah. So it's like, Yes, we want to embody because the body and the mind are so connected in so many intricate ways. So if we can start to like embody what we want, that's a great way to building that literal muscle memory of like, ooh, this is what it's like when we have this. Yeah. But we also have to attend to the spiritual, maybe sometimes mental, emotional blocks that we have towards getting what we're saying we want. And so if we don't attend to the spirit, then... You know, we might be embodying what we want, but we're still going to keep hitting this wall. Don't attend to the spiritual aspects of what maybe our mission is. Like maybe it's a part of our mission to penetrate through those blocks and make it through and clear the way and then fully embody like body, mind and spirit. So I think that's a huge part of manifestation that some spiritual spaces might not talk about, which is what are the parts of us that are benefiting somehow from not being our our biggest most authentic self like mm. what stories are we yes doing to feed in not being what we're calling in right kind of like the idea of like limiting beliefs or like being afraid to step out of your comfort zone because you're safe in your comfort zone and so maybe it's more safe on that kind of one level to not ascend and to not be the highest version of yourself. Cause you don't know what that will mean, but you know what this means right now. So you're like figuring out how to get out of the comfort zone, but still be safe. It's really cool. We'll have coping mechanisms. Mm-hmm. Like people that come from like great families, like they have coping mechanisms. It's like, mm-hmm. it's a part of being human. And the beautiful thing about this this kind of level of work is there's never like a shaming or guilting or like, I need to get rid of this wall. It's like, no, we're going to move with it. Yeah. Like, through it. But as we move through it, we're deepening our relationship with it. 
we're expanding our relationship with it because we're we're bringing it in we're loving it with compassion we're seeing it we're not shaming it and then we're saying okay um either sometimes those things will stay with us and they'll just evolve or there is actually like a giving away of of energy and and it's beautiful because we don't give it away being like oh get this thing off of me <laughs> yeah it's more like thank you for what you've taught me and, and yeah. gifted me and I hope you can like become a flower in your next life. Like now yeah. you become something different. It's like, and thank you so much for trying to protect me. I'm yeah. going to do this anyways, but like, I, I see where you're coming from. So thank yeah. you. But like, I'm going to still do it, but thanks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I actually like, there's this, this psychology therapy practice. It's called um, the internal family system. And I've been spiritually working in this way before I knew that there was somebody who created a whole practice around it. And this is what I call learning backwards. Like many <laughs> intuitive, spiritual, psychic people will be practicing something already and then yeah. they'll learn a trade or they'll learn a, a lin- from a lineage and they'll be like, oh, that's what I've been doing for like 15 years to survive. Right. And I kind of learned it backwards, but it's this idea that we have many different voices that stand within us. One that's really common is like the risk manager, like exactly Mm. the example you gave, like all of us have a risk manager that's like, "Mm, actually, uh, Cassidy, maybe you shouldn't really do that because you're really putting yourself out there and like, you're vulnerable. And then Cassidy and her queen is like, yes, I hear you. And I still think this is a good edge for me to explore. So I'm going to do it anyways. But thanks, like, thank you for caring. And it's like, yeah, this risk manager, like, it just wants you to be safe. But sometimes that risk manager will actually keep us small. Can you repeat what that is called? There are many shamanic and indigenous ways of like working with these different, we would call them spirits within the body, but it's almost like they're fractals of us. The psychology system that I've come to work with is called the internal family system. So it's this idea that like these voices are our internal family system that makes us us. Okay, cool. I'll put a link in the show notes too, if anybody wants to see, like, look into that more. Because that's, I've heard a couple different people and their theories explaining like a very similar thing and just explaining like different sort of like voices or not voices inside your head, but you know, the different thoughts. One that I've been sort of with going through this journey that I'm on of starting a podcast and deciding to be like a manifestation and movement coach. And one thing I've really been battling with is like this idea of like trying to be so perfect all the time. Uh What I realize is like this idea of perfectionism, what it really is, it's like avoidance. Because if I wait until everything's perfect, it's never going to be perfect. So I never have to do it. So I never have to be vulnerable. And you can always make something more perfect. So then I just wait to do it later but it's just an avoidance tactic. And so I'm like embodying messy action, just doing the thing. And there's definitely a risk manager inside my head saying, that's terrible. Everyone's going to hate it. And then I'm like, no, it's okay. So I've been battling with those voices too. (laughs) Can I ask you a question? Yeah. One question that has really been impacting me, like really shifting my life. Okay. So you're just talking about how you've been working with this voice that like wants you to be perfect. And so my question is, what are you or that voice, if it is kind of separate from you, what are you or that voice caring about? Hmm. What do they want? I think they want acceptance Mm -hmm. and like validation and love, right? 
Like, I think it's a fear of not being accepted if you do something and people don't like it or accept it, then you're going to be rejected and then you don't have love. Like, I think that's sort of what it comes down to, which logically it's like, no, like your family, your loved ones, your community is going to support you and love you, even if you release a shitty podcast or not, not that it's shitty, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it comes down to to that. I'm also curious if it's, if, and like, you tell me how this lands, like, is there a part of you that also really cares about really wants to feel you at that level of authenticity and expertise like is there a part of you that just like wants to embody that and yeah be close to that yeah oh yeah a hundred percent I think like this idea of like following your truth and like being your most authentic self and I think when I was younger we all try to fit in so hard And I think it's that battle now of like being authentic and being real and like truly, truly, truly being who you are, saying what you want to say, doing what you want to do. But also that like little teenager, little elementary school girl who's like, I just want to fit in. Yeah. I want to be seen and witnessed. Yeah. That's beautiful. It sounds like this work that you're doing um, while doing it, you're not just becoming like you have been this 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 leader um and this deep feeler and knower and you're just choosing to step into it now yeah i think so <laughs> yeah that's a powerful direction in my in my uh, interaction with like the the different energies of the directions of the the wheel you're in this like really southern direction of like oh okay fire. what does that mean wait 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 what does that mean what's the wheel So the wheel would be like, I have two wheels that I kind of navigate. I navigate my native Anishinaabe Mi'kmaq wheel and I navigate my Celtic wheel. So the first wheel that I was referring to is the wheels of the direction. So east, south, west, north, and then center, above, below. Um, And each of those directions in our native teachings and traditions, they embody different energy, different archetypes. And it's a way of us relating to nature. And also this is pulled from literal animism. Like our peoples have been on the land and have recognized in humility that like the animals were here before us. Mm -hmm. So they're actually our elders. And so what do their systems and ways of interacting, what did they tell us about the earth that we're on, the system that we're a part of? So a lot of these archetypes come from that animism, that relationship with gathering information that comes with each season. So the Southern direction is the season of summer. It's Mm. element is fire. There's Mm -hmm. transformation happens when we move from spring to summer and everything blooms, but it also moves through like multiple blooms throughout the summer season. Yeah. And then comes harvest, which is more like fall and Western direction. Right. I feel like it's also the energy, the direction of, of the youth. And so it's like, I'd say you're in a youthful expression of your cycle, your mini cycle you're on. It's really starting to open and it's beyond East the beginning because the beginning was deciding to step into this and doing, put your website out there and show up. So you're in like this youth energy and you know, you're moving into the adult where you're like, you're getting it, you're doing it, you're figuring out how to do that in your most authentic mm-hmm. way. And then oh, so cool where you're like, okay, I've been doing this for three to five years. And now like, 
there's a next level for me to step into like death and rebirth. And then it goes again. (laughs) And then again. (laughs) Oh, that is so interesting. Okay. I feel like we need to sort of just kind of like go through, because you've talked about so many different like (laughs) um, practices and ceremonies. And I feel like I want to sort of just give the listeners an idea of like maybe your sort of your spiritual journey. I know that would probably take hours, but maybe if we could just kind of condense it just to sort of like hit an an understanding of some of these things that you're speaking of and how they came into your life. Yeah. I was really fortunate to grow up in two families, matriarchal and patriarchal sides were both quite spiritual. Um, My mom is a natural healer and she's a medicine uh, worker. She uh, specifically has a lot of gifts with plants and definitely like her and I have the same zodiac sign in both our sun sign, but also our year. So we're both year of the horse and we're both Aries. So in some ways she's passed down a lot of information very easily to me because right. we have our systems, similar channels. And then my stepmom um, was also an incredibly spiritual woman, you know, used to howl at the full moon wow. parties on the patio. She was a reflexologist and was actually the first person to introduce me to Reiki. I did Reiki as a child to work through different traumas that I was going through. And my dad is a, is a Pisces. He's a super soft teddy bear, big guy though, yeah. but like very spiritual. You know, he tells me that he sits at his fire at night and he talks to himself, right? He talks to that internal family system. He talks to great spirit. You know, he sees patterns and numbers really work with him. So I'm really lucky that I was built, born, I chose to come into two lines that when I said I was seeing spirits, my parents were like, okay. Or they'd be like, what's like, what What do they look like? Who are they? That's Depending- amazing. <laughs> yeah. It was um, fostered, not like kind of shoved down. Exactly. Which is, you know, different than, than a lot of children because every child reaches an age where the fantastical isn't exactly okay anymore in the family. Mm-hmm. Home. Like, we got to grow up. How and old were you when you first started seeing like spirits, as you said? I think since I was like, like a baby, like I don't have memories to being a baby, but I don't have any recollection that I can remember not having that part of myself. Wow. I was a child and like, I would have these deep thoughts. Like I told my stepmom when I was like eight or or six that basically I explained like past lives to her and how I kind of felt like people have, what was it? It was like, people have things that they need to learn. So they keep going through lives until they learn them. And there are some people that they've already traveled with before that they'll meet again in the other lives because maybe they help each other unlock those, those like lessons. And so like at bedtime, like you're, those are the stories that you're telling. <laughs> uh, like I would no Dr. Seuss. <laughs> well, let's just talk about energy, magic and medicine. That's- <laughs> So good. Yeah, the fairies come from my mom's side, which is the Celtic side. Oh, oh my gosh. I can't wait to tell my dad about that. So I'm Scottish, English, Irish, like very Celtic. And mm-hmm. my dad always talks about an experience, I believe, in either Scotland or Ireland where he was visited by the fairies. So yes, I can't wait to tell him about that. Much like some of my first encounters with, I think, my Celtic 
um, lineage and then just spirals like spiral medicine um, really found me as a kid in nature. I would draw them all the time. And then like I was super drawn to the the Triskel symbol. Okay. Like, I will have that on my body at some point in my life. What is the Triskel symbol? The Triskel is that the three spirals. Okay. Definitely have seen them. And they're like, they move in the same direction. Okay. You know, they're, the power of three is in almost every like spiritual text or mm-hmm. even religions. It's a powerful number. You know, some of the patternings that it embodies is like the triple goddess. So the maiden, the mother, and the crone, the beginning, the culminating, and then the death, birth, death, rebirth. It's like, there's so many threes. Yeah. So I had very intuitive knowings about people as a kid. I wasn't definitely like, it didn't help that I was basically an only child until I was nine. And and so I would like, my parents were partiers. So I'd be at like, I'd hang out with adults, like adults were my friends. And then they'd be like, wow, your kid knows how to talk a lot. Or like, <laughs> smart, you know, like, yeah, you know, I was an old soul. And yet like, you know, when I was 12, 13, I started taking out witchcraft books at the library because I was searching for like mm-hmm. um, systems of to understand how to work with energy Right. Um, because I was craving eldership. Right. I was craving crones in my life who could tell me these things. And my mom stopped practicing for herself because she was going back to school and working two jobs and being a stay at home. Well, not a stay at home, but like a single mom. Yeah. And she just didn't have time. And like, that's what women in our culture, especially our mothers, that's, you know, the greatest wound right now is that mother wound of like, our mothers feel resentful because they had so much responsibility and what they had to do or what they felt they had to do was sacrifice their life, sacrifice their needs, sacrifice their wants, their dreams for their kids. Right. And, you know, they're coming, they're being raised by baby boomers who, parent through guilt and shame because they don't know any better. Mm-hmm. They are raised typically by people who are experiencing war. Most of people in Canada, like we come from immigrants. Yeah. It's like generational trauma. <laughs> totally. You know, there are wounds in both sides of my family and we all collectively, I think are a part of healing that. And so I didn't have that eldership, but I continued to have my own experiences when I was 15, um, I was hanging out with one of my witchy friends and we were in my basement and she went to open up the cold cellar and it just kind of felt like that cold cellar was like a portal for negative energy. And I had this feeling like, no, don't open it. And she opened it and this like really negative spirit came out and we basically got psychically attacked. Like <gasps> my bedroom were shaking and all we thought to do was like pray. So we just started praying like, please like you know, bring in light, help us. Like, it's terrifying. It's like, mm-hmm. what do I do? Call the Ghostbusters? Like, yeah, they didn't know what to do. And, you know, we started praying and within like seconds, the door stopped. It's gone. Did you know who you were praying to? No, no. To whoever it like to benevolent energy. Like we were calling, yeah. in, we were calling in angelic, like great spirit energy, right? Yeah, within seconds, you know, it was gone. But like, holy shit. That's fucking scary. The two psychic people together and like we can attract negative things if we don't understand protocols. If we're if we're not taught how to protect ourselves psychically, because sometimes those things are out there. Mm -hmm. You know? So 
what happened in that room before I prayed was me telling myself, I see nothing. I know nothing. I feel nothing. <sighs> Spell work. Mm-hmm. Shut down all of my psychic senses. Okay. Stop feeling those things. Right. Stop spirits. Um, and that was 15. And then I was in my second year of dawning at Laurier is in Conrad, which is the oldest building. Of course you were known for being haunted and my students printers would go off on and off even if they would unplug them they would keep printing and that kept happening and you know being a spiritual person I was kind of just talking to them about what it could be and like I started to set spiritual boundaries and be and speak incantations in my room and be like you know any negative energies like you're not welcome here um this is a space for benevolent energies and you know I'm calling in the higher beings to come and like, just make sure that that it's not more than just a trickster energy. Yeah. And like, kind of just acknowledging, like, is there somebody here who needs something? Is there a spirit that's trying to get our attention because it needs help? If so, you know, make yourself known. And then one of my high school best friends came up and she's also psychic and sees spirit. And she went into the bathroom. She came out and she was like, Tasha. I'm like, yeah. She's like, there's a man in your bathroom. And I looked and I was like, okay, I'm going to describe to you what I see. And I want you to tell me if this is the man that you saw. And I drew it out and I wrote out details. And she was like, this is the exact man that I saw. And it was like what I needed to basically like affirm and reactivate all of these things. And that would have been my last year in my five-year program. And after that, I... I moved to Australia for a year to work in mental health and addiction. Um, I started playing music with this beautiful man. Uh, We became best friends and we would gig around different places and we play like, you know, spiritual feeling music. And he played in medicine circles for ayahuasca. Oh, cool. Like this is like 11 years ago, like before ayahuasca was like a popular thing in our Uh mind. And I had never heard of it. And I was being invited to play music for it. And when we would play music, though, we would sit in, meaning we would join in the medicine so that we were all on the same vibration. And that was a real awakening for me where it was like, wow, I'm actually getting an experience and witnessing an elder um, work with plant medicine that comes from land that I'm so close to and Like I'm having spiritual experiences. I'm watching this shaman walk around the room and I'm watching him like shapeshift. And then I've got Mother Earth coming and sitting on my shoulder and talking to me about my gifts and what I need to do. Yeah, it's like sometimes we just need spiritual experiences to activate the spirit in us. Mm -hmm. To activate that bridge between body, mind and spirit. Like there's a part of us in our mind, in our rational mind that like almost needs to see it to believe it. But well, in our culture too, I think like... You know, if you explain a lot of these things to some people who are more closed-minded or just, you'll be told you're crazy. You'll be given medication, you know? Like, so I think that it is so important. Woo-woo. Spiritual person, you know, like mockery titles. Uh Like spiritually gaslit. Yeah. And it's because we are so enmeshed with the spiritual, with the scientific practitioner model, Mm -hmm. which is based on rationality. It's based on like, we can only prove what we can see. And if we have data that points to something that we can't see, 
it might not be significant. I don't know. It could it could have been general error. And it's like, you know, oncologists don't know why some people just go into remission. They don't know why terminal uh, cases can completely turn around. So they just tell you that if you're diagnosed, it's what will kill you. You know, that's the model that they're stuck in. And, you know, we are so enmeshed with the medical system the way that it is right now, you yeah. know, the way that our laws are working and our government, you know, and then mm-hmm. there's big pharma. So there's just like, there's so much influence. Yeah. Um, but it's like, we, we actually have to believe it to see it sometimes. There's a lot of spiritual things and connections and communications that are happening all the time. It's just, we've got the walls up of like, just not being connected to it. Cause we didn't even know that there was a phone in the wall that we could pick up yeah. until it rings. And it's like, Oh shit, it's oh, ringing. Hello. <laughs> actually experiencing it right now. Yeah. Do you feel like you kind of had your senses, like you kind of were shutting them down and then you're in Australia, you're going through this, like these spiritual experiences and they kind of like, they woke up. Yes. They, it more so like acted as a momentum because when I started praying and setting spiritual boundaries with spirits right last year, it didn't turn off. It was like, oh, okay, now it's wide open again. Uh Oh, <laughs> You know, I had just gone through my first cancer diagnosis when I was in my first year of university. I was 18. That was also like a spiritual awakening where, you know, I literally heard for the first time in my life, someone speak to me. Well, in the in the ways that, you know, I remembered, I'm sure as a kid, I had that open channel. The voice was just like, number one, you're not going to die. And number two, like, you need to stop taking on other people's stuff and carrying it in your body, your life to live, not your mother's. So create your spiritual boundaries Mm -hmm. and shift your relationship because you're, you're, you're carrying somebody else's legacy. It's not yours. You're actually stopping them from growing by carrying it for them. So, you know, ping, smarten up, right. Um, And in the most loving way. And Um, you know, I had a therapist tell me that I wasn't dealing with my stuff because I wasn't crying. And I was like, this will be the last session that we're in. Yeah, done. There's no space for my spirituality. There's no space for me if that's the first judgment that you jump to instead of asking me where the strength and resilience is coming from or check in. Yeah. My mom was like, you're not crying. Like you're not dealing with this. And I'm like, I just know that I'm not going to die, but I was diagnosed with stage four cancer. Mm -hmm. I just knew like, it's going to be okay. And it's like, this was necessary because I wasn't connected to my body. Right. It's really common with people who've experienced physical trauma, sometimes even emotional trauma, we dissociate. Dissociate. Yeah. Like I was doing that as a child. So like, it's what I knew. Mm -hmm. Realize like, even sometimes now at 32, I'm like, oh, wow, I just dissociated. I just left my body. Okay. (laughs) let's connect about this, you know, totally. that was, you know, number one, wake up connection 18. Mm -hmm. Then I don't, I, you know, I don't, I don't know how to interact with that voice. I don't know how to interact with changing my trauma, but I'm studying psych and I'm, you know, I'm philosophizing about myself and like how the things that I'm learning impact me. And um, then, yeah, I get that. spirit check-in with my students printers going away yeah boom I get invited to a healing circle 
And basically Mother Earth's like, this is what you need to do. Go and do it. It's your mission. Yeah, I came back and was on a music mission and mm-hmm. playing a lot around town. And then, you know, I get declined for social work here. Don't mm. know how because I have good grades. I have actual experience working as a social worker in Australia. And I was gutted. And I like remember yelling to like the universe being like, what the fuck? Like, I don't know. Sorry, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. Like, I don't know what I'm missing. And then two days later, one of the owners of Moksha Yoga asks me to go for coffee. And that's not normal. And he's like, if you want to be a teacher, I want to support you. Do you want to be a a yoga teacher? And so you hadn't even you weren't even a teacher at this point. No, it was just a trade. And I had been practicing there, showing up in the community. And I think I was working desk. Yeah, I was also working the front desk. So I was right. in a in a working relationship with the man. Yeah. And I was like, I mean, yeah, like I've thought about it. And that was when it was like a ding. Like, yeah, maybe, maybe I'm not meant to work with people necessarily in that field mm-hmm. with words like maybe I'm meant to work with people with their bodies enter in soma body initiation Mm -hmm. phase two (laughs) yeah go to my yoga training take money out of recording in a studio which I just started put it into my UITT go away for a full month intensive and get introduced to chakras and I had like every time they played the next chakra sound the color would wash over my eyes. And I was like, freaked out. I was like, oh no. You know, so that was like clairvoyancy initiation. Mm -hmm. Come back, literally within days, someone's like, yeah, so I'm, you know, I'm doing my level two Reiki and I need case studies. Do you want to, are you interested? And I was like, (laughs) yeah, heard of this before, but like, this is what I want to learn about. So yeah, she gives me Reiki and it's like, I have these past life experiences where I'm watching myself offer energetic healing, maybe in different lineages and capacities. But I just had this knowing like I've done this before and this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Wow. That's so, I've been, I've been getting shivers so many times. I don't know if that's clairvoyance, but I've been getting so many shivers when you're telling me these stories. (laughs) Yeah. And so like within the next month I had, I messaged her master teacher now mine. And I started level one, three months later, I did level two. And then I waited like three years. And it was my, my Reiki master teacher who actually reached out to me and was like, Hey, Natasha, like I'm, I'm going to be doing a master's training and I'm checking in. Like, how are you feeling in your practice? Is this something you're interested in? And you'll see a theme that like people approach me and in my human design. So in my human design, I'm a projector. Okay. So invitation. Yes. I wait for the invitation and then I know that's what I need to do. And so when you're talking about manifestation, I think like as a projector, I, my greatest work is to be me, to be me. And because when I'm me, the invitations that are authentic to me come. This podcast. (laughs) Uh huh. Can you guess what I am? (laughs) Are you a manifesting generator? Yeah. Yeah, you have the MG vibes. I only have 7,000 projects on the go at once at all times. That's it. So, okay. I was like super interested to hear that about um, your human design because I was just like thinking about that as you were mentioning like the... Who gets it? Who gets an invitation to... Have you thought about becoming a yoga? Like what? 
I know. An invitation to come to Australia. Like that is too crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that's been, that was my journey that, you know, from there, it was just like, boom, I really committed my life to my Reiki practice. I let go of my safety blanket serving job (laughs) and decided that, yeah, I was going to start offering sessions in my home, treating people in my bedroom. Yeah. And then one of my, (laughs) one of my Reiki clients was like, have you heard of this clinic? They're looking for practitioners. And so I know it's so funny. Like I don't, I didn't really put this all together until like, as I'm saying it. Yeah. And so, yeah, she was the invitation and I got the job in the clinic. And then from there, it's basically like, once you make it through the barrier of being able to afford being in clinic, Mm -hmm. just more clinics started to reach Reach out. out. I was figuring out how many clinics I should participate in, um, you know, in order to extend my reach to different communities that maybe otherwise wouldn't be in connection with me. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's where I start to see the theme for me that came through naturally is building community, building Um, community. It's such a big part because it's something that I've craved and wanted. And it's something that's changed my life since I've settled in KW and you know, reached out to, uh, for me, the healing of the seven generations in Kitchener, seven gen, and then Crow Shield Lodge. And I started going to women's circles and healing circles, full moon circles, and immersed myself in my culture. I had to move through a lot of like lateral violence, like, you know, I'm not native enough. I'm not dark skinned enough. Mm. Um, And it's a common thread. Um, Do you want to share with us like what your lineage is that you're speaking to? Yeah. So my family, my mother's side comes from the East Coast. So our French ancestor would have interacted with my Mi'kmaq fourth great grandmother. And unfortunately, like during the laws of that time, Native women were excommunicated. They were no longer a part of that lineage and couldn't go back to their res. And that wasn't our people's. That was like the Indian Act. Okay. Um, so she would take on a, a white name or settler name. And um, yeah, there's like, we've passed down information from my great grandmothers. And one of the things that passed down was that people in town used to call her Muddy Jane. Oh my goodness. And my mom always pronounced it like her French mom, Muddy Jane. So she thought they would call her Mary Jane until I was like, mom, they were calling her Muddy Jane. Like, oh my God. That was dark skin. Oh you my know, god! My mom's like, oh my gosh! And it's like, yeah, like we're we're slowly like seeing piecing where, it together. It's like, yeah, where these racisms were experienced, and like why our grandmothers didn't want us to exhibit things externally. It was like mm-hmm. down, almost like gossip. Yeah, very quietly. So, you know, I I I'm not very connected to that land. So I'm Mi'kmaq from Buktush First Nation, Alza Buktuk. That's okay. an area that's in New Brunswick, colonial New Brunswick. And, yeah. um, but because I'm here, like I'm working with so many Anishinaabe and Cree Haudenosaunee elders. Mm-hmm. We don't have many. So right. my gen, but even other generations, like Native folks who are connecting back to community now are learning with elders that aren't within their lineage. And it's, become a deep okay it's like we're taking care of you know and uh adopting in 
folks from different it's like multicultural kind of like lineage get back to some of the shared roots because it's it's probably just so sparse from everything that's happened over time. So, you know, yeah, it's a real gift. Yeah. Gift to finally have that eldership and, and, mm-hmm. you know, one of the healings that came through was there's always been a part of me that's been craving and calling forwards a certain kind of eldership. And I've entered into mentor and mentee and mentor relationships many times. And I've had the experience where this person that I'm working with, we hit a stage and I'm just like, I don't know if, I don't know if a mentor would act this way. I don't, I don't, ooh, like this doesn't feel good. Then I've kind of parted ways. And I will never forget the day I sat in a women's circle and the way that it was facilitated and led and the way that the elder facilitated, it was like, we're equals. and have to be something different than myself. I don't have to stand on a pedestal to facilitate. Um, that doesn't need to happen. And there's just so much compassion. And I think I've attracted a lot of hard teachers. And I think there was there were parts of me that I've sat with recently that believed that I actually need a hard teacher to learn. Like my inner voice piped up and was like, no, we actually need gentle, compassionate teachers because we're a creature that has felt deeply shamed and controlled so like I need a teacher who's going to be like this is okay like it's okay yeah. to practice like all you yeah. don't need I don't need tough love <laughs> we've <Yeah>. had enough <laughs> already worthy like you're already one you just have to remember it um and so you know community is so important for me because it's what I think a lot of us need um, yeah. You know, for a long time, the church was a place that anybody could go to for refuge and for teachings and for food and for love. But we're a part of a generation where we're like, we've moved away from the church, mm-hmm. experienced hurts maybe in our families that have been en- enmeshed in those religions. And yeah, so our generation doesn't have that drop in space, that spiritual space that we can go to when we need to get something off our chest or that we can go to and sit with an elder and be accepted, tell them about our broken heart and, and ask for advice. Like, mm-hmm. so that doesn't exist, you know? And yeah, that's where my spirit has really led me again and again is plugging in community. And now with the goddess healing grove, um, this like quantum and also physical gathering space that I've really manifested actually over the past two years, mm-hmm. my mission is extending to, bringing community together to come back to our first mother, to our earth, and to come back to our lineages, to like learn how to do that. And, and also to, to understand why, why is it important to know where I come from, where my peoples have come from, even if it's seven generations back, like, yeah, you know, that doesn't impact me. It's like, Oh, just wait. Oh, honey. (laughs) Wait until we crack (laughs) this and you see it and you feel it, you know, but So yeah, that's really, that's the Coles notes of my spiritual journey. You know, I've, I got two other cancer diagnoses and cancer is a very immense teacher. Like I moved through so many teachings sitting with cancer, which is basically, it can feel like sitting with death, mm-hmm. talking with death. And as we know, as spiritual women, you know, we're aware of the many deaths that occur in our lives that allow for that rebirth to happen. So yeah, just so many 
aha moments, so many moments of like things surfacing. And, you know, I have some friends that I haven't seen uh, in the pandemic and then we get together and they're like, whoa, like you feel different. And I'm like, that's me without anger, baby. (laughs) Here I am. (laughs) I still have things that I'm working with, but just for today, don't anger. Like Ikaruna has been such a powerful Reiki principle and precept for me in my life mm-hmm. and figuring out like where, where I react with anger, where my words have anger resonances in them, even if they, they don't sound like it, but they do sound and feel like it. Yeah. Know? This idea of holding anger, even if it's not that you're angry with yourself or something, but even if you're angry at something wrong in the world or whatnot, but what is that, what is that energy of anger doing? What is that doing other than bringing your vibration down other than changing your mental state and seeing the world as a worse place? Like what is that doing? And it's important, like you said, because it's a teacher, but what is the, what is next letting go of that? And what, when you let go of anger, what can you make space for? We're not meant to live with anger for very long. Mm -hmm. Anger is a transitional emotion that helps us transmute. And so if we're not transmuting, it's going to be hard on our body. And from that micro me to the macro, that's like how many people being influenced by anger and Mm -hmm. how does that impact what's happening globally? It's like, I don't watch the news for a reason. Mm-hmm. I get all the information I need to know from other sources. Yeah, it's like that's one of those influencers that I would say creates a lot of dense energy because it's mostly negative stuff that's happening around the world. It, and it, and I'm not here to spiritually bypass and be like, no, never the bad. Oh, like the good is what we need. Like there is no dualism here. I'm just mm-hmm. we're talking about somatic impact. Yes, the emotional spiritual impact of carrying information in a specific way. I really appreciate that you brought attention to that because I think there is such a bullshitism in the spiritual world. It's like, keep your vibe up. Don't think happy thoughts. Don't yeah. feel like, no, hey, fuck that. That negativity. I don't want it. I don't want know? that negativity. Yeah. Like for sure. You can set a boundary sometimes if you need to. And I think that all of these emotions are so important and it would be such It would just be so surface to pretend that you should never feel these things or have these negative experiences. But I really like what you said about it's a transitional emotion. You don't want to live your life as an angry person and increasing or raising your vibration isn't about always being happy all the time. It's about that somatic being that the energy that you carry, you're you're kind of your base level. And if you have anger, it doesn't mean that your base level is going to come down and be like low vibe. Like, you know, it's just, if you can allow it to be temporary, then it's not going to fester. And then you can be a better person for the people around you and your community and the greater consciousness. And it's not something that just like clicks like, ding, I've activated and awakened this and now I'm never angry. It's like, I think what I'm really hearing in my own spirit is it's not about moving that energy. A lot of it is actually how we hold ourselves in it. Mm -hmm. Like, do I have the capability to hold space for myself experiencing anger, noticing my words here? Like, I'm not anger. I am not identifying with anger. I am witnessing myself experience anger and I'm trying to listen to it. But if I respond to anger with, I don't want to feel this way, then it's like, it's 
actually not always the emotion that impacts the spiritual body or the emotional mind. Sometimes it's actually how we respond to ourselves in those resonances. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's where I'm in at with the work is I'm, I'm able to hold myself, not all the times, but man, it is changing my relationship and how I communicate. It's changing my ability to be more present with my kids, more yeah. present with when I get a bad result, you know, more present with other people who are going through their human experience. And it helps me not, it helps me hold space for me. Like I've, I've recently, I'm in the coin term of like, I got me. Yeah. And I don't, I'm not like dependent on you or your expectations or your, your visions of me because I got me. Really powerful place to be. Sure is. And also like when I got me, it means that I can also hold space for other people who are maybe experiencing anger towards me, projections about me because I'm not taking it personally. I'm not taking Mm -hmm. it on. That is the game changer because it's not about the energy. It's about how I experience it and how I maintain myself and my vibration with other energies. Beautiful. Mic drop. I love it. So good. I love talking about this stuff. I love spiritual, philosophical conversations. And I'm really curious to hear from the listeners, like what I'm witnessing when I'm teaching Reiki is that even just listening to mic drops, to spiritual truths for some people. Mm-hmm. They have resonances and they activate the listener. And then all of a sudden, like all it takes sometimes is a ding. And all of a sudden we have a new lens that's like there. And it's listening to spiritual teachings, talking about our experiences and, and storying them is just so powerful. And it's like powerful for me. Like I'm feeling the activations in my yeah. like where these things are functioning now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think like that's, I mean, that's a big part of the reason why I wanted to start this podcast. And coming from a university background, I was always told things, told mm-hmm. things. This is how it is. Learn this. This is the fact. And I was like really craving a space for conversation and like anybody listening to this right now can take what they want. I've said this before, can take what they want and leave what they don't. They're like, yeah, sure. You saw a spirit in the bathroom. Okay. Like maybe they're not ready for that. Maybe they don't believe it, but that's okay. Anybody can change their mind, can take in new information. And I just think that Instead of being told things the way we are so much in our society this these days, being allowed to participate in conversations and having an open mind, but still choosing what resonates is just like why I want to do this. <laughs> That's one of the things that Doi Sensei has really wanted to express too in the new manuals that have gone through our lineage is like Reiki is a space of non-dogma. Mm-hmm. And me, like, I believe that people who are religious have spiritual experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, so that word spiritual, I think is like kind of polytheistic in the ways that people can have spiritual experiences. But I will say that like, what I love about spiritual spaces that are non-dogmatic, it's like, there is a truth that I feel in my body to spaces that are not controlling. And that's where I think spiritual bypassing happens in our culture, mm-hmm. where we get this idea like, you have to see it this way. And if you don't, then you're missing it. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to receive this. If you're not 
this person, if you're not perfect already, then you're not going to get this. It's like, that's not how spirituality works. Mm -mm. Um, The universe is not punishing us. And that's a, that was a big one that I had to work through. Like I'm not being punished for getting cancer. Yeah. And necessarily like there are some places for me to claim and it's nobody's business to tell me, you know, what's, what's caused the cancer. Like I had someone be like, um, you know, you should look at your relationship with your mom because breast cancer is like specifically. And I'm like, your relationship with your mom. How's your relationship with your dad? What do you yeah. carry in your body? You know, like mm-hmm. it doesn't feel good to me. This is like weird shame culture and people pushing advice on me that yeah. is that's for me to claim mm-hmm. what can cause that. But for sure, the universe is not punishing me because that's not how it works. Mm-mm. Like there are memes that go around of like, you know, our spirit guides when we don't listen for like the seventh time and they yeah. like slap us up the side of the head or they're like, oh my gosh, like uh-huh. that's a funny way to like an animate what mm-hmm. we are experiencing. But our spirit guides, our helpers, the universe creator, whatever the name is, like there is unconditional love there. It's mm-hmm. probably not like, because they're completely happy. They're not getting into those like frustrated, angry, yeah. moments, right? But it's funny to animate them in that way. But it's important that we know that we do that healing from the, what it, wherever it comes from, colonialism or capitalism, both. It's like, no, we're already worthy. And that's the first separation. Yes. I um, I heard someone explaining it like this. Like, they're like, what do you think that like source, universe, God, whatever, someone in the sky, there's a conveyor belt of babies and they're sending them to earth and they're like, worthy, like stamping them on the forehead, worthy, unworthy, worthy, unworthy. No, like everybody is inherently worthy. And the only one telling you you're not is yourself. And if yeah. anyone else is telling them, it's your, like, you need to not believe them. <laughs> right. Well, and if someone's saying that to somebody else, then that person needs to look at themselves. Mm-hmm. It's them. Yeah. But it doesn't help that we're in a culture with leaders who are inherently or obviously putting us into these enactments or into these situations that don't create feelings of freedom and creativity and abundance, you know, mm-hmm. and that yeah. we're, we're just like kind of told, like, here's like the prescribed path tells us it's like, okay, here's your checklist for worthiness. Like go through, check it off. Oh, mm, you only got five checks. Uh, unworthy. Like that's kind of what it feels like. Oh, like, you know, university house kids, like it's just so kind of linear very linear and there's not a lot of space for other things and you have to sort of decide that and go on your own journey to find that when you're born and raised here there are it feels like big stakes um when we're at the moment in our spiritual path and i hope most i hope everybody listening to this podcast experiences this in their lifetime where we're like okay i'm terrified of this thing but I can't ignore this feeling anymore. And it's this, it feels like this high stake leap of faith. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I felt like quitting my serving job because it was like, okay, all the abundance has got to come from you uh, doing the thing. Yeah. Do you, do you know I work in serving right now? <laughs> well, you know, what I would say now being seven plus years in experiences, it's actually good to have multiple streams of income so that when we're working in the energy field, 
we're not taking ourselves out of integrity and treating when we shouldn't be because we need to pay the bills. Ah, that's you know, a really I, good point. Yeah. And like, I've been there, like mm-hmm. most people have been there and it's like, I just get in a massive fight with my husband and then I've got three people that I've got to go treat mm-hmm. um, or I'm feeling sick. And, you know, I don't think like they're not going to catch my energy, but certainly, you know, Reiki is unlimited, but my body isn't. It has yeah. systems. And if you're channeling that Reiki, then you need to take care of that channel too. It'd be a lower resonance or there's Mm -hmm. not going to be as much that can move through. And if I was functioning from, you know, an integral state, I would call my clients or email them and be like, hey, I'm so sorry for this impact, but I'm going to need to reschedule when you're available. And and it's like, because I got to take care of me to be able to take care of you, you know, capitalism will tell you otherwise because you're only worthy according to your productivity. Yeah. And, and bills, like we truly do live in a world where we have bills to pay, where we have monetary needs, where we have to buy food. Like we do need money. We are spiritual beings living in a capitalist monetized world. And so, you know, here on, in the matrix, like we need to, you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's it's refreshing that you kind of speak to is important to have other streams of income because you don't want to be doing this work from a place of scarcity. Yeah. Or non-alignment. Or non-alignment. Yeah. Like we can't force it either. It's a complex thing and it's not easy right now trying to fit spiritual practices into the capitalistic boxes. Like, yeah. I I remember when I was really starting to come into my power and also becoming ready to step into master teacher level, I started being like, yeah, I, I can't treat more than one person a day. And that's not a very good work model for paying the bills, saving for a house, the Mm -hmm. linear life. But also it was like, I was, I was slowly dying, trying to make myself work in this momentum where like I wasn't even living for me just in the giving and it took me a couple experiences to be like my gifts have specific strengths and when I work with a client they are in my field for like days wow I will hear things from my clients like after the treatment um, I'll feel things, you know, because our lines have been intimately crossed. It's mm-hmm. vulnerable work. And the more vulnerable my client goes with me, the deeper our relationship builds because that's right. how it works. And so I would be treating like three people in a day, regular for me in my practice. Like I'm treating Gary, but I've got Jerry's field sending me messages while I'm treating Gary. Mm-hmm. And then... And then by the time Brooke comes in... And there's a spirit in the bathroom. Right. (laughs) Then, you know, by the time Brooke comes in, I'm just like, I'm spiritually kind of... My crown is tired Mm -hmm. because I have needs as a body and I've been channeling a lot, you know, which makes me super hungry and I need to like rest a little bit more. Yeah. And yeah, I just like, I realized like this doesn't feel right. This doesn't feel good for me either. Like it, so then I dropped down to one person a day and mm-hmm. no more than five in a week, because as I'm channeling Reiki for other people, I'm receiving Reiki. So I also want to be in a space where I can receive anything that's there for me to right. keep taking care of this mission and this path that I'm on my own body, my channel so that yeah. I can 
doing this. But then I was like, became clear, like, I don't really know if I want to, if I meant to do it this way, like it's supposed to look and feel like something different. Yeah. I'm in the abundance of that. Mm -hmm. When I started living my life the way that I needed to for my energy profile, for my Mm -hmm. design, that was a huge shift for me um, because the projector design is like, you shouldn't be working more than four active hours a day. Anything else, like maybe attending to emails, but like I have to have time to attend to myself as a projector because if I am aligned and I am cared for and I am putting lots of energy out because I'm abundant, then I get the invitations. Yeah. It's, it comes back to that energetic exchange idea Mm -hmm. and like the gifts that you've been given and the intensity of the energy that you're exchanging is at this very, very high level. So you need to honor that, like the other side of that, which means like rest and recuperation and alignment and not forcing Do you mind if we just kind of really quickly just kind of go through like a Reiki treatment? Like we've talked so much about it, but say somebody's like never heard of Reiki before. How would you describe it to them in a nutshell? I would say that Reiki is a practice that came out of Japan, but I don't know that I would call it a Japanese practice. I think that Reiki is in definition, Reiki. Rei means universe it means great spirit. Ray is this energy that we can't necessarily see, but we feel. And then key is that like grounded in body experience of like key. It's it universal energy. It's chi. It's what we call in um, Sanskrit prana. It's life force. It's our breath that we breathe in that keeps our heart pumping. So when we put those two um, parts together, Ray key, it's like, it's universal energy. It's spiritually charged energy i mean for some folks this is a part that's hard to understand is like it's energy that comes with a knowing or a voice or a guide it's a a living energy it's a living force and i say that 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 in a way that's important to understand that a reiki channel a reiki practitioner is just that or a channel this energy moves through us because we've been attuned Mm -hmm. to be to channel this energy and then it moves through us our eyes our hands our breath and it moves through us to another being or object or space and what those variations experience is bioenergy universal energy and it's the guide or the universal activation or spiritual guidance that guides the practitioner to different areas of the body Mm -hmm. that need to receive that energy that are asking for it. And they're asking for it in ways that our human body already knows how to hear. Mm -hmm. It's just sometimes we don't have as many workers on a site that we need. So these workers have been working overtime. They're exhausted. They're hungry. They have dysfunctions to them. And so Reiki comes in and it's bioenergy. Like the body already has a communication, a language and a relationship with this energy and it just puts it to work. And it's like, oh, we got, we got uh, 15 folks coming over here and, you know, they are well supported by their boss. Their, their boss provides them with food every day and they get off work at three and they're, they're rested and they just go and they do the stuff that the body's systems need. And so Reiki gives you this boost. It helps your natural systems 
flow more effectively or efficiently because it's giving them energy. Does and, Reiki align the chakras? Chakras? Well, in that way, like, yeah, like if there is an energetic center that is um, dysfunctional because it's stagnant, mm-hmm. Reiki will come in and will bring that abundance of energy and start to purify and clear out that space. But what it's also doing is it's more than just the physical, remember, it's the mm-hmm. spirit. So what it's also doing is it's maybe attending to the spiritual aspects that are also clogging down that energetic center. So it's it's helping us spiritually and it's helping us physically because they can't be separated. Yeah, Reiki is a spiritual practice, but you don't have to believe in anything to receive from it. So can anybody, does everybody have the power of Reiki within them? That's such a good question. And one that, you know, Doi Sensei is really like, we need people to know that, you know, we can be attuned to many different energies. Mm-hmm. Like an example of using this word is like outside of Reiki is like, you're attuned to your mother, your bio mom, or the person who grew you in their belly, in their womb. You're attuned to them from hanging out in utero from that feeding tube or attuned to your bio parents in that way. Um, you are maybe even attuned to your bio siblings because you both came from the same genetics, the same people. You know, some people might have experiences where like they think about their mom and then their mom calls them on the phone mm-hmm. or like going through a breakup and mom just knows or our sister just knows and or our brother knows and they just call us. There's that attunement. Folks can be attuned to lots of different things. Um, you know, being native, like I am attuned to the earth mm-hmm. and I've been attuned to the earth since I was a kid. Yeah. Animals, plants speak to me. So when I got attuned to Reiki, it was like, oh, this feels familiar, but it's also different. So everybody is born in human form as energetic beings. And like, we can all give energy, like our best friends crying. We want to hold them, them energy. Sometimes we feel depleted after being around people because there's an energy exchange. Um, an energy vampire. Have you heard of that term? <laughs> oh, yes, I have. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like people, even spaces, sometimes they just feel, oh, well, I know you've said this before and people always say this when they come to my house, they're like, oh, your ho- your house is so zen. And I'm like, well, there's fucking crystals everywhere and I just yeah. saged it and <laughs> it probably flow Reiki and energy. Yeah. Like, I clean my house. Like my, my energy is flowing. I'm like loving my house. I'm putting energy. Yeah. Yeah. So those are examples of how we can be attuned like to crystals. We can mm-hmm. work with crystals and we become attuned to them. So everybody has the ability to be a Reiki channel, but until you're attuned to that Reiki energy, which in our, in my lineage, the belief is that you become attuned through attunement process. Yeah. Unless you're Mikao Asui, who's been fasting for 21 days from food and water, walking up a holy mountain and is <laughs> one with universal energy and receives an attunement from the earth, from the Reiki source, unless you're like him, um, you get attunement from a Reiki master. Yeah, I, I get winded walking up my stairs. So I definitely needed the attunement personally. <laughs> I hear you. I like water. I like water a lot. <laughs> so you get attuned and then it's kind of like studying a craft. Would you say like, it's like, I mean, it's obviously more powerful and a lot, there's a lot more to it than that, but it's kind of like maybe learning a language. Like everyone can speak a language. 
languages, but like you don't necessarily just learn how to do it if you're sitting in the woods. You need to kind of learn the way of doing it. There's multiple learnings here that you're talking about. And I think the learning that you're talking about is the physical and the intellectual learning of like being a a lineage carrier and really Mm -hmm. understanding what it is. Yeah. Reiki lineages, they also come with teachings because it's also a spiritual path. So there are teachings that students need to move through in addition to attunements and self-practice to expand their riverbed of Reiki. And then there's the spiritual teachings, which come without a teacher. They are your teacher. So, you know, folks would learn something from being out in the woods mm-hmm. and Reiki and witnessing how nature calls to Reiki. Like people can learn that way, but without the philosophical teacher in the presence of an elder that can speak from their pathway, which is a little bit more ahead or a lot more ahead from mm-hmm. you, that holds the context for an individual to boom, activate that teaching that maybe they had on their own. Gotcha. Um, which is kind of like what I was talking about. Like I've been craving eldership my whole life. Yeah. There's something about having a teacher be able to expand and give a context. Like I don't mm-hmm. like, I don't like just accepting a spiritual truth of somebody else. I want to interact with it and and see how I feel, see how I literally how I feel, feel. in my body about it. Yeah. And that's also when we know that we're in that that non-dogmatic space where no mm-hmm. one's telling us what the truth is. You know, we're all here to have our spiritual experiences. Mm-hmm. Okay. I feel like I could probably talk to you all day long. Um, <laughs> so I just want to wrap up with a couple, like just a couple more questions and then um, we'll call it because I think I need to have you back on the podcast <laughs> again. I feel like we just scratched the surface. So when I've received Reiki Um, And when I did my Reiki training, some of the sensations that I experienced when I was receiving Reiki would be like tingling sensations. I would see a lot of different colors and like swirling colors. And that's not typical for me. Like when I close my eyes, I don't have um, like visualization. I have imagination, but like I don't see things unless I'm meditating or receiving Reiki or giving Reiki. Then I start to see colors, swirls, all that kind of stuff. And then like heat warmth and tingling. Those are some of like the main things that I've experienced from Reiki. Would you say there's any other like sensations that people could experience if they were receiving a a Reiki treatment? Like what is common? So you named like a lot of the common ones. It's really common for people to see shapes, lines. They say like energy and movement, but they do take different colors. Pulsing, pulsing Mm -hmm. feelings uh, is something that people will feel. And typically that's in an area where there's a lot of yoki, where there's like a lot of dense energy that's like not really supposed to be there is no longer really operating in the optimal way. Cold. So mm. heat is the pretty uh, typical characteristic of Reiki, heat and tingling. Mm-hmm. And when cold energy comes through, my teachers have shared with me, and this has actually been in like multiple lineages. So I'm like, ooh, this is a, a experience or a truth that's moved across many lineages. That when it's cold, it's healing energy that's old something that has just been around there for a while and that's mm-hmm. why it's old gotcha sleeping sleeping <laughs> instantly and and it's really interesting because for me a lot of the times it's like the moment i put my hands over the heart chakra and it's like my flow connects in people are like out <laughs> i think we hold a lot in our hearts and mm-hmm. 
a lot of stuff that's hard for us to process. Yeah. Here it's just like go to sleep. You don't need to be. You don't home. need to be here. Just go have a nap. It'll we'll clear it out. You don't need that. You can sit this one out. <laughs> and people feel like tingles or like a pull at their feet because mm-hmm. that's the route that excess energy goes out in a Reiki session. Typically, it goes out of the feet. Sometimes it goes out into the aura field, which is why we always kind of close with like a uh, aura combing. We call aura it. combing. Yep. Cool. And like, what would be like, I feel like could probably be anything, but what are some, what is Reiki good for? Like who needs Reiki? (laughs) Everyone, but yeah, yeah, seriously. Um, But specifically, I would say Reiki in my practice after every session, I always say in a couple words, can you describe how you're feeling? And they're literally their first answer is always relaxed. Hmm. I feel, yeah, like more relaxed, peaceful. In my practice, a lot of people say that they feel really cared for and loved. Um, mm-hmm. I think a part of my gift is that I, when I shift into my channel, I really embody that mother energy. For a lot of us, we just, we want more of that healthy mother connection. Mm-hmm. Or whether it's our actual like bio mom, or if it's our first mother, mother earth. Mm-hmm. Like coming back to that experience of unconditional love is very healing for us. Yeah. So people will get real cheesy and they're like, I just feel like a lot of love. And some people are like, it's weird. You know, wow. how they're just like blissed out. So who needs Reiki? Like folks who want healing. Remember, it's a spiritual practice too. So folks who want to expand their spiritual experience, folks who don't feel like they have enough energy to do the things that they need to do. People who just want to feel more relaxed, more grounded. And then, you know, some folks too, who are like healing ailments, they, you know, come and get extra energy so that your body can heal at a greater capacity. Yeah. Those are some reasons why folks would benefit from, from having Reiki. And I mean, have a Reiki session, but also like, if you just want to skip through all of the, uh, the politeness and just like become attuned bringing that resonance into your entire body, all, yeah. of, your, all of your chakras. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the, that's getting to source. You're doing it. You're taking the, taking the direct route. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, like what's going on in the community? Like, what are you involved in with the community right now? Oh my God, my dog. Um, I am mostly, uh, uh, there's a lot of music that's, mm-hmm. So um, I'm playing a lot of music with my sister. We have a house show this weekend. Being the director and the ceremonialist of the Goddess Healing Grove, mm-hmm. um, you know, I spoke a lot about my native wheel of directions, but there's also this Celtic wheel of eight specific celebrations and ceremonies that the Celts moved through season with each turning of the wheel of life, representing the micro experience of a year's season. Yeah. But also macro experience of like all of our seasons and where we are what mm-hmm. season am I in based on my biological like lifespan and so I am committed to doing ceremonies at each of those big markers so I'm offering ceremony and it's unique each ceremony will have different rounds different activities different ways of communicating with great spirit in ourselves mm-hmm. I'm hosting 
ecstatic dances again. Oh, cool. Okay, wait, I just need to mention this because this was hilarious. So one time when I was coming to hot yoga regularly, this is years ago, and you were teaching there and I was just, I had the schedule memorized. So I would just come in. I wouldn't look online. And this one time I show up and it was like a special class and it wasn't the regular like flow that we did. And it was like an ecstatic. Oh yeah. Yeah. Ecstatic. It was an ecstatic dance class. And I was like, oh my God, I need to run away and leave right now. And I stayed. I stayed and I was like so uncomfortable, not uncomfortable, but it was so out of my comfort zone. And I probably wouldn't have showed up if I'd known. I'm like, ooh, I don't know. Cause I thought I was just going to go to like a lunch flow. And then we're like dancing around the room. And it was so much fun, but it was so funny. Cause I was like, oh no, what is happening right now? What have I done? Totally. People are going to see me. People are going to see me moving around (laughs) off of my mat. (laughs) It's a vulnerable expression. Vulnerable. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. So (laughs) ecstatic dances, playing some music concerts, um, offering those ceremonies. And and sometimes the ceremonies are like our solstice ceremony will also be a market. So sometimes I'll have artisans come and like bring products that are aligned to the things that we would need in that in that ceremony in that mark of time yeah I'm gonna have some artists and artisans come for the winter solstice ceremony and just provide us with some self-care products with art to stimulate us and to keep that creative energy alive mm-hmm. that like in Yule in winter solstice we are we are becoming the light and the candle that will keep us through the winter so we need to stimulate those creative energies and also initiate the slowness of like just releasing attachment to doing mm-hmm. and sign me up <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's kind of where I'm I'm putting my energy and then you know I have energy for teaching when people come to me and are like I want to learn from you then then I formulate it yeah. or you know I'm really I'm really feeling inspired by movement which is what you know created the ecstatic dance and i'll probably do like a a four to six person like yoga program for six weeks in my home at some point too because i'm i'm feeling Mm -hmm. inspired to teach through movement and and that that physical body space yeah so that's kind of some of the offerings that are coming through right now thanks for asking yeah and you're doing your 21 day reiki challenge practice right Yes, today is day three and it just makes me so happy to see so many people interested and participating mm-hmm. and they say they've felt disconnected from their practice or that it's just been a while since they've been in space and it feels good to come back and to just commit to that 21 day connection because 21 days is a great amount of time to mm-hmm. um, connect in enough that it becomes a little bit of a habit. We remember yeah. how we feel and maybe we're even witnessing it already manifest physically. Yeah, it's an exciting, it's an exciting time. It feels good to be immersed in it too. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much. This has been amazing. I can't wait to listen to this again. (laughs) And I think that so many people are going to just be so intrigued and like inspired. And if people want to reach out to you or um, get in touch with you or follow along or participate in any of the ceremonies or things that you host in the community, um, and I'll, I'll link this as well, but where should they find you? Yeah, Instagram, I'm I'm most active there with my reels and offerings and 
invitation. So a legacy of light is my handle. And then goddess healing growth is also another handle that you can follow to just see what kind of events we're offering through the growth space. Okay. Amazing. Well, thank you so, so much. I appreciate your time and energy and just who you are. So I appreciate being here. Thanks too. And you know, it felt very easeful having conversation with you and I loved the questions that you brought in. And I think that this is definitely a part of your gift and I'm excited to be here and for people to get gain access to these teachings and perspectives. So thank you. Thank you. Um, if there, if there was anything else you wanted to say or anything, if anything's coming through, Oh, just to trust, you know, to all the listeners, um, your greatest gift is just trusting what feels in alignment with you and trust it when it doesn't fit, even if your mind thinks that it should. And if you follow your body, your intuition, you can't be led astray. Even if it might not look like or feel like you imagine it should, the greatest spiritual teachings I've received is trusting even when it when it doesn't seem right. Even just- and especially when... <laughs> you know, um, to just keep holding on to that connection and trust that it's going to unfold the way that it needs to when it will. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much, Tash. You're so welcome. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you so much to each and every one of you who took the time to listen to this episode. It means so much to me. If you could take a second to rate and review the podcast, that would be much appreciated. I hope you have a great rest of your day. And if you'd like to connect, send me a message, send me a DM. I'm here to chat. Okay. Love you. Bye.